soldiers of hell time again. Welcome back. Okay, so it's the uh, it's another another day, another podcast, and uh, I think we should just recap on where we left off last time. Have you got a ledger there? I've got a physical ledger now. Can we have a listen to it? It's not just a piece of wood. Is that a ledger <laughs> you've got there? <laughs> it's a tablet. It's a, t- it's a tablet with it with a list functionality, which is with the closest. Thing. That's what a ledger Excellent. is, isn't it? It's a list. I think. Yeah, it's not an etch sketch It's definitely not an etch sketch No, it's uh, it's, a, it's a tablet. And I've recorded some some thoughts and some homework from last time, and we can use it to add anything that comes up this time mid mid flow. Hit me with it. Not not physically, because obviously tablets are quite solid. Yeah. And I would have to have a bloody good throw to get from here <laughs> up. <laughs> all the way to you in lovely York. Um, You'd have to so, traverse North Derbyshire, South Yorkshire, I basically, and land in North Yorkshire. I'd do the Pennine Way to do it. It's, it's a lot of work. It's time to resolve the outstanding issues from the last podcast a longer ago. Let's mark things up the ledger. Let's mark things up the ledger. Let's mark things up the ledger. Ledger, ledger. We were talking last time about film themes and music and how there doesn't seem to be that sort of character theme anymore and that sort of link between film and song. Um, and, and the distinction that we made was that it's not a soundtrack song, it's the romance in the stone when the going gets tough. Nothing's going to stop us now. Just the song that's sort of just bolted on that has a general feel of the, the theme of the film. And we set ourselves a little challenge to match songs that weren't attached to films to films. It's interesting that you mentioned Mannequin because <laughs> that is one of my That's, films. Well, it's because it had one of one of the best of that sort of songs, I think. I've got a uh, I've got a twelve inch version of that. Uh, I've got twelve inch Mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> That's called a doll. <laughs> yeah, it's a Barbie doll. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got a twelve inch Mannequin. It's got it's got nothing's going to stop us now on it, as well as one other. Uh, loosely labelled hit that I don't recognise. It's also got an extended version of We Built This City. It's kind of got extra repetition in there that's unnecessary, but but it obviously worked in the clubs in 1986. Um, right. Uh, Disco text. Yeah. Back then, I suppose. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with U2. And then, yeah, has it got another remix on it? I can't remember. Look, let's Let's be honest. It's got four songs on it, two of which are the only two anybody knows by Starship, but are arguably two of the best songs from the 80s. It's, in essence, the best of Starship. <laughs> Without the filler. It's got two sides. Right, so what have you got to match the mannequin, then? Really, I shouldn't have picked a film that already has a strong associated song with it. But I'm thinking of kind of what they did... Uh, with Drive, I don't know if you saw this a couple of years ago. So Drive is one of my favourite films in recent years, and it has one of my favourite soundtracks of all time. Mm-hmm. For some reason, Zane Lowe decided to replace the soundtrack with newly curated pop songs. Uh, so we, he got some of his indie mates to churn out uh, an alternative soundtrack, but he picked one of the best soundtracks to replace, which... I think he got actually quite a lot of trolling on the internet. You're setting yourself up fail, aren't you? So I, I thought, well, Zane Lowe's won radio awards. <laughs> Let's follow in his footsteps. 
he's obviously doing something right. So I picked another cult classic <laughs> in Mannequin, and I've replaced Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now with I'm Still Standing by Elton John. I like it. Do you know what you could have done to avoid that sort of possible backlash is to have applied that song to the sequel to Mannequin, Mannequin on the Move. Is there a sequel to Mannequin? Yeah. I only saw it, well, I say I only saw it, I, I saw it about 10 years ago, so it's not like I've only discovered it in the last few days. It's um, It was one of those, um, it was when we first got Sky Movies, probably in the mid-90s. And that's what you chose to watch? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair... Before digital media, there was you watch what was given to you, even on Sky. Then it was limited, um, and that was just like the premiere of the week, because it was a slow month for some reason, and that was what it was. To be fair, even in this digital age, you still watch what's given to you. Sharknado Four, anyone? So what happens in Mannequin Two? Uh, it's basically you know Mannequin. Yep, I'm familiar with it. That. <laughs> that exactly that. That is exactly what it is. <laughs> It's the same. It's almost exactly the same film. Boy falls in love with mannequin because he's because why not? And turns out mannequin is a princess. I think in the original was she Egyptian? Yeah. And got froze. This is like a medieval one. She's a princess, and there's like an evil wizard that wants to take over the kingdom. So he turns her into a mannequin. So it's the same old princess gets cursed, turned into a mannequin. Hilarious consequences, sort of thing. So, who's in this? I can't remember. I honestly, that sounds very much like a ledger item to me. Stick it on the ledger. Mannequin 2. I'm sure it's called Mannequin on the Move. Is that a tablet you've got there? It, it is, yeah, you can hear the clicking. Mannequin on the Move is in itself a contradiction. It certainly is, unless it's on a 4x4 pickup truck. Anyway, so that's a ledger item. Mannequin 2, colon. Mannequin on the move, cast. <laughs> Getting, I'm not asking cast to do the soundtrack. I don't think they're the right sort of demographic. I think it would be a fine time to get them to uh, do a soundtrack. I can't think of one. That's the only cast song I could think of. Uh, right, okay. Oh, fine time. That's that's why I said that's, that. Uh, <laughs> I think you should walk away from this conversation. That's the one, walk away. Yes. That's on my, uh, now that's what I call music from 1994, something like that. I I think that's got your beat, Mama. <laughs> I, I really, I couldn't think, I think couldn't think of a pun for that, to be fair. <laughs> Are you Googling cast of their discography? No, but I've got those, I've got those three occurring to me. <laughs> I can't think of any more. So, you've done Mannequin with... I'm Still Standing by Elton John. Yeah, I think you could apply that song to a lot of those sort of... 80s feel-good type of films. It's just got that sort of general good vibe to it, hasn't it? It has. If I'm honest, though, I worked it backwards from the pun. <laughs> so um, the whole nature of a mannequin being stood still. I in Mannequin Two was that was that in the 80s? Was it was it like a quick quickly I, churned out sequel, or was it one of these ten years down the line we've run out of money, so we need to do vague, something? recollection i have of it just the, the costume design and the camera it feels like an early 90s thing okay. from what i remember of it it's just got that whole okay yeah that an early 90s sort of feel very pastel right okay what the i struggled with the 60s and 70s 
But you had one for the 70s last time, didn't you? You came but up with one. But they felt that the song wasn't from the era. That's the problem. Does it have to be from the same era? I thought that was what we said, but who cares? Okay, yeah, in that case, I'll stick with that. I think Scissor Sisters for Spy Loved Me. I'll do that. I'll cheat a bit and reuse the one I used from last time. What's the name of the song? Uh, Land of a Thousand Words. Okay. Right. Yes, I, I can picture that one. It even has a Bond opening title-esque video, doesn't it? I can't. I don't know that I've ever seen the video, or if I've just imagined <laughs> the opening credits to The Spy Who Loved Me, along with it. <laughs> I bet someone's done that. Let's ledger that. I, uh, I didn't realise that the... Um, maybe I've failed the challenge then, because I have got something for the 70s, but I've gone anachronistic is that the word let's say yes <laughs> when I, I have selected you're a history you're you're a ex-history student you're a history graduate i should say not an yeah. ex-history student like you were cast out oh we're back to cast again uh yeah i have selected a song that you might be familiar with uh, for saturday night fever and the song is co- the song is called buoyancy we are a boy band. <laughs> what particular scene do you think that would fit in with? Instead of um, staying alive. The, you, geez, you have set yourself some big shoes here, haven't you? You've not... <laughs> oh, I don't know how tall... I, I know he must be about six foot, but when when you see the close-up of his feet, the, you've got nothing to compare it to when you see the street. No. I suppose those could be big paving slabs or it could be crazy could paving. Be tiles, who knows? There could be winkle pickers. Go hard or go home. That's I've not gone quite as for films that have gone quite such um, definitive soundtracks to them. I've gone. Got... You just picked the Spy Who Loved Me, which has got one of the best Bond okay. songs of all time in it. Other than that, <laughs> before we move on to yours, shall we just play buoyancy for people who don't know what it is? Oh, it's an oral treat. Here it is. Ladies and gentlemen, for one night only, it's the Lomos as boy band. Buoyancy! We are a boy band. Skin, leopard skin, she was under my skin, my skin. I was yang to her yin. She had a ginger and Robinson chin. Don't look at me, don't look at me, don't look, don't look at me, don't look at me, don't look. Don't you know where everything's We are a boy band. We're in a boy band. Over Barnsley when I left her in the rain She was an older classy lady And her name was Lorraine It was his mom Don't look at me, don't look at me 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 Cause you know we're literally stuck We are a boy band Boy 
face looks like a log. Log. And your breath smells like a bug. Bug. You only look good in a thick fog. Look at me, don't look at me, don't look. Don't look at me, don't look at me, don't look. Don't look at me, don't look at me, don't look. Did you know where lyrically stuck? We are a boy band. We're in a boy band. We formed a boy band. And we should be boy band. The ladies love our prancing, the ladies love our dancing, the ladies love our singing, we get the bells a ringing. Do you want to explain that? Um, <laughs> in many ways, I don't think it needs explanation. It defies it, if anything. Um, that, believe it or not, is us. Was us. <laughs> it's the same thing, both of those. <laughs> Back when we were sparkly-eyed, chiselled young men in a boy band. Seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah, and I think it still is. The music, I feel, stands up pretty well. The lyrics, perhaps less so. Could you imagine John Travolta walking down the street to it? Yes, he's got a good. He's got the beat is right because his feet hit the the pavement in time almost, don't they? I remember seeing the BGs being interviewed about it, and they said, "Yeah, they, I think it is 120 beats per minute, which is the perfect strolling tempo." It is. So, um, and I need to check what uh, BPM we set for buoyancy. We are a boy band. If it's 120, we've nailed it. I can't. I don't know the BPM. Uh, off the top of my head, but I know the pulses were set to racing. <laughs> yeah, and I think BPM stands for blood pressure moment. <laughs> over time, and Ad Robinson becomes less of a cultural touchstone for that reference. <laughs> over time, all of our cultural touchstones have become a bit defunct. <laughs> Having said that, steps are made a comeback. Well, hey. Exactly. Exactly. I'd like to think we're the driver for that. Go on then. What's your next one? The, the next, this one was sort of, I've, I've done this backwards. I came, I had the song first and then I had to try my best to match it to a film. Now, it's a song that I think has got a brilliantly theatrical, cinematic opening. It's America by Neil Diamond. Okay. It's got a very orchestral. It's probably like it almost feels like it's the opening to to a musical when you sit down. It's got it's got like a little bit of um, floaty sort of um, strings, and then it it cuts to like the big sort of a swelling um, orchestral version of the main chorus, and then the main and then it hits a sort of dun, 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 the guitar kicks in and it goes to the music, and th- obviously the. F- the theme of the song is um, people coming to America. Okay. 
So I've linked it to coming to America. <laughs> so you've gone for a similar kind of vibe to me with Mannequin, haven't you? You've gone from a title to a title. And it's like, in my head, obviously coming to America starts off in Africa or a park in America that they're saying is Africa. Um, and then I was thinking, you do that bit where the shot suddenly changes to the New York skyline, which is when, bang, the Neil Diamond coming to America kicks in. Boom. Love it. There you go. So is it, I, I'm not familiar with America, Neil Diamond. Is is that, it's not the, it's not a cover of the Simon and Garfunkel song, is it? Can you sing it for me? On the boats and on the planes, they're coming to America. You didn't tell me Neil Diamond was with you. Far, we've been travelling far, without a home, not without a star. How much of this can I do before we have to pay Neil Diamond? Uh, I don't know. He'll probably never find out. I don't think anyone will. How do you get sort of shifty side-to-side eyes to to transfer to a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) With the power of your mind. Brackets, looks behind sofa for Neil Diamond. (laughs) It was a str- it was a strong impression that mate. I'm proud of you. I'm, it's, it's a sign of late thing. I'm getting my time now. Oh man, that bit broke up as well. I wonder if I've moved. Only you'll know that. <laughs> you say yeah. the last bit again, then. I would I would say the last bit again, but I think the um, the bit about I don't know if it's got moved, and you saying only I know that. I think that was better than what I actually said. I should leave all that in. Um, moving on. The last one that I've gone for is um, Meatloaf. And I started off with Meatloaf before I worked to the film. So I think he's got a particularly cinematic feel yeah. to all of his music. Epic. I've gone for Life is a Lemon and I Want My Money Back, which is a very angry song for the Michael Douglas film Falling Down. Good choice. Is there a is there a familiar song in that film already? I can't, I can't remember. It's that long since I've seen it that I couldn't honestly say. The last time I thought about the film falling down was it your daughter's christening. I'm glad it had that effect on you. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, sounds really bad, doesn't it? Like, uh... <laughs> oh, well, I like christening. It makes me feel all stabby. <laughs> How to send a guy off the edge. Make him go to a family event. <laughs> I was rather thinking that uh, some of your friends decided that I looked like Michael Douglas from falling down. Um, Did they? Is that because you were just wearing a shirt and some glasses? Yeah, pretty much, and a tie. Yeah. So, <sighs> so it's it's loose, loose at best. But the something that I noticed actually halfway through doing that that little challenge was that at some point, and it probably is around the nineties, pop songs went from being marketed with the film to being part of the soundtrack. Okay. And instead of and and there became there came this thing of and I think it's like the Pulp Fiction Quentin Tarantino effect. He started using specific songs as a score rather than having a score. Yes. Yeah. 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 So he didn't he and, didn't get anyone to write new stuff for him, did he? Yeah, just selected a lot of pre-existing songs that fit the mood very well, and and, and I think that still permeates quite a lot. On the other hand, though, the nineties were the and, and depending on your perspective on these things, it's where the song to soundtrack hit ratio peaked, 
and I'm going to name them. Brian Adams, Wet, Wet, Wet. Yep. Celine Dion. Yeah. Whitney Houston. Like, they're probably the four biggest selling songs of all time or something. And then that kind of era fizzled out. And I say from from one perspective or another because I don't I don't know anyone who actually likes those songs. <laughs> Which is weird to um, say that they're the biggest selling songs of all time. I think my my missus loves the Brian Adams one. That's probably the best one of the quartet. Yeah, I just can't get on board with it because I'm so infuriated by the historical inaccuracies in Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. <laughs> And geographic as well. Yeah. What What about Dorset being next to Nottinghamshire? You can walk it in a day, apparently. It's fine. No biggie. Have you got any more songs? No, that's it. I've got one more, which, unlike the other ones that we've come up with, well, I suppose a bit like your last one, this one is a, a genuine, this could work. Um, the song and the film are relatively obscure compared to the ones that we've been talking about already. So this is from the noughties. The film is called The Dark is Rising, um, or it's based on a fantasy children's novel. From from a movie perspective, it came out off the back of Harry Potter's success, um, but they didn't particularly execute it very well, so it didn't didn't perform at the box office. Um, it has got Christopher Eccleston and... Um, oh, who's the guy who... He was a an maverick antiques dealer in the 90s. Donald Sinden. <laughs> <laughs> no, Windsor David. No, that's never uh, the Twain. Um, oh, uh, uh, Lovejoy. Lovejoy. Yes, it's got Lovejoy in, in McShane. it. Ian McShane. There's a, a a song by Dodgy called "One of Those Rivers," oh. which is off their album "Free Peace Sweet," and it's one of my favourite books of my childhood. And there is a scene in the in the novel where the kid wakes up on Christmas Eve and opens his curtains. And where he'd previously seen houses, there were now fields covered in snow because he'd gone back in time. This song is always kind of in my head. As soon as I heard it, it seemed to fit with that image. But I don't know. It's, I've just always carried that with me. So this is not one that I came up with in preparation for today. It's one that I've always had in my head. If they made a movie of this, they should include this song. And then they made a movie and they didn't include it. So, for me, the film is a failure. It's like they didn't even consult you. I know, how dare they? How dare they, indeed. <laughs> so, there we go. So, I don't know whether, on an Andy or Fix-It basis, whether we've succeeded in this challenge or not. I am going to chalk this up as a success on the basis that it's at least been interesting. Well, that's, that's all you need in life, isn't it? Not according to those selfish beetles, but... All you need is love and a little bit of interest. Yeah. Whether it's be from your bank or the Bank of England. There must be something that you've always wanted and need to do. And he'll fix it for you. And he'll fix it. And he'll fix it. It's not like that kid show in the 80s with a similar name and sinister host. It's more like you bet with Darren Day. But he's Andy Melody. Jumping on to that, that fantasy film thing, I noticed today that the trailer for The Dark Tower has been released. Has it? Yeah. And I know very little about the trilogy, uh, not trilogy, the octodly. There's eight of them. There's eight, <laughs> eight, 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 eight people. 
octopus. Yeah. The octopus of the great of the, of the Dog Tower <laughs> is. I've, I, don't, I don't know much about it. I'm not really really a big Stephen King fan. Um, I've, I've not really even seen many of the Stephen King film adaptations. But I saw the advert for it and I watched it and I thought, you know what, this is interesting me. And and I think if it executed well, it could be a very, very good fantasy franchise to fill the void that perhaps Lord of the Rings was left. That's pleasing. I hope I hope it's not just another case of uh, promise from a trailer that never actually yeah. fulfills its promise. I mean, certainly the cast um, that I've seen looks as though it's going to be good. Like Idris Elba and, and Matthew McConaughey, he was having a bit of a reconnaissance. Yes. Um, yeah, it looks good. I mean, and, I'm, and I'm interested by it. it. It looks a little bit quirky. I don't know if you know any more about the franchise of the books. So I haven't haven't seen the trailer yet. Um, I'm going to log on and watch the trailer after we finish podcasting, I think, because I've read all the books. I enjoyed the books. Um, they're not hit and miss, but there are bits that are better than others. And I would say because it's an epic, and I don't typically read epics, it, it was fairly overwhelming and underwhelming, depending where you, where you were in the story. Um it has a very interesting ending, quite a controversial ending, but I enjoyed the bravery of it. Um, the whole kind of premise of the the series is that the main character is trying to reach the Dark Tower, which is a place that all realities exist. Um, and there's a character called the Man in Black who's trying to stop him getting there. Um, now... What then Stephen King does is interweave all his other stories or references from all the other books that he's done and other elements of kind of popular culture throughout the throughout the series so that it's like we're observing a different reality, but our reality exists as well. So there's a bit of a kind of a fourth wall thing going on at times as well. Right, okay. um, so it's interesting. I've heard rumours that the that the that the film won't be a straight adaptation of the books, which would be nigh on impossible anyway. But I've heard rumours that that the the novels the the film sorry are just another version of reality. It's almost like they're saying the films and the book both exist, but they're both just different versions of the same story existing in different areas. Yeah, well, that's interesting. And therefore, by definition, everything that's ever existed. Is canon. <laughs> that's that's a good way to cover up a multitude of plot holes. Yeah. See, I didn't know this about Stephen King until recently, and, and probably until I started looking a little bit more into this, this the film that's coming out. I didn't know that he weaved all of his stories sort of exist in the King verse. Yeah. If you will, and they, they sort of they reference each other, and there's there's bits in one book that will refer to the events of another, and that sort of thing. Yeah. There's a lot of stories that uh, just happen in Maine, which is where Stephen King's from. Um, there are a lot of characters that kind of reoccur as well. There are nods to events, and there are certain characters that interweave throughout the... Basically, the, the Dark Tower series holds it all together. Right. So it really is. I mean, for someone... I mean, Stephen King has written a lot of books. So for him to say this is a the magnum opus that 
ties all of that huge body of work together. That's some sort of... I probably won't read it because I think something as big as that, if I go to it, I, I know virtually nothing about it at the minute. So it might taint my enjoyment of the film to sort of jump on and read it now and then have a pre-existing idea of what I think it should be on screen. That's probably... That's probably a wise move. It's probably, and I think it's only, I didn't realise, it, it seems, all seems to have come out, I think it's August this year, it's out. Cool. I think it was only announced about a year ago, so I don't know whether they've been working on it. I think they've been working towards it for years. I think it's been a hard one to unlock, but I think they've figured out a way to do it. So It strikes me that it's almost unfilmable in the format it already is. Which is, I think is why they've tried not to do a literal adaptation, because that would be impossible. It'd be boring as well. Because <laughs> you pre-assume that you've seen or at least read a lot of other Stephen King stuff. Exactly. Speaking of which, and maybe this is a way to tie, tie things up, the Stephen King book stroke film, Firestarter. Right. Well, I think we've got a fairly obvious alternative soundtrack song for that, haven't we? We certainly have. Soft and Wet by Prince. <laughs> <laughs> Is that by Prince? Sounded like the, the title Prince would have given it. A lot of his, a lot of his songs were fairly sexual, weren't they? In the nature, yeah. Or is it? Or is it an album by Bon Jovi? Slippery When Wet is a is a Bon Jovi album. Oh yes, of course. So there we go. Firestarter, the soundtrack to end all soundtracks. Although the original soundtrack is pretty special. Maybe this is a bad move. Yeah, we've come up with some cracking songs, but. Maybe we should just leave these pop cultural stones unturned. Yes. Yes. 